Welcome back to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. I started this podcast three and a half years ago by asking the question, is this the end of the world as we know it? I'm going to begin this second season by answering, yes, this is the end of the world as we know it. We're not going to stop the climate from changing. We won't win the war on terrorism. There will be no social revolution. Hope for solutions is false hope and illusion. So the question for the second season becomes, how do you live a good life, a meaningful and moral life in a world that's falling apart all around you? There's got to be a way because we've been through this before. We've survived the collapse of empires. We've lived through the ice age. Somehow we got through it, but how? I asked my friend Alex Caldiero, and he told me to mind my own business. Mind your own business, meaning, he said, keep doing what you're good at, what you enjoy. Keep working at that and don't quit. That's how we get through it, by everybody minding their own business and not giving up, because that's what the man, Big Brother, wants, to force you to stop minding your own business so you can mind his business all the time. So I'm going to start minding my own business by driving down to the border to talk to people about the immigration situation. I don't even know what to call it. It's not an invasion. The number of people coming north over the past few years is about a third what it was back before the economic crash of 2008. And it's not a crisis. We've had thousands of people crossing the border illegally every day for decades, a million or more a year. They end up finding jobs and paying taxes, and they commit far fewer violent crimes than people who were born here. This is not a crisis, except for the people who walked away from their homes in Central America with nothing. I think what's changed, what's different now, is the way we look at them, the immigrants. They are the other, not us, and we're projecting our own fears onto them. Soon they will be zombies. I'm going to drive down there as soon as I post this episode. For now, though, I want to play an interview with writer Charles Bowden talking about what was happening on the border in 2005. Bowden lived in Tucson and covered illegal immigration and the drug wars for most of his life. He died a few years ago. And it's a shame because he was the best writer we had. One night in April 2005, Chuck and I drove south from Tucson to the Buenos Aires National Wildlife Refuge that sits on the border next to Sasabe, Arizona. At that time, there were 3,000 people a day, mainly Mexicans, coming onto the wildlife refuge by crossing a barbed wire fence that marked the border. Yes, 3,000 a day just through the wildlife refuge. When we got out of my truck, it was midnight, and so dark I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. So where are we right now? About two miles from the international port of entry at Sasabe, Arizona. You can see the lights of the customs station clearly. And you can see nothing else but blackness and stars. There's at least a thousand people moving around us. There's a couple thousand pounds of drugs 
moving around us, and there's men with AKs guarding the drugs. And it happens here every night of the year, and there's 1,833 miles just like this. This is the trap door under the phrase Homeland Security. How do you think they do it if they can't see? They can't turn on a light? The, the people coming across, how do they? They follow the person in front of them. They fall a lot. And they're afraid. They're afraid of the desert at night anyway. It's a different desert when you're being hunted. They've spent their life as human beings across the wire. They become a deer surrounded by lions. The only things you can hear out here now are insects and fear. Hundreds of square miles just crackling with fear. Maybe 30 people, 100 feet from us, sitting down, and we'd never know it. We're probably within two or 300 yards of the fence. Huh. And it's invisible. This is like when you look overhead. There aren't any Mexican stars or American stars. It's like a great biological unity with a meat cleaver of law shredding and cutting it in half. Yeah, where's the beer? Down there. If you look to the north, northeast, you can see the glow of the lights of Tucson. If you look down at your feet, they're going to have to move constantly for three days to get there. Three days. Yeah, it's 60 miles. Some guys seem to How fast can men, women, and children in a unit travel? And they, don't, you know, they can't move during the day much. After about 11 a.m., the heat will knock them down. There are 100 stock tanks out here, which is fine if you're a cow, but not very good if you're a Mexican who's never been here. Chopper's coming. Can you hear it? Bastard wants beer. No, I mean, they know. There it is. His light's on. Yeah, they know we're here. He waving? Yeah. yeah, you know, it's over 20 years ago I described all this in Blue Desert. It's a game. If you win, you get a bad job in a foreign city. If you break a rule, you go back to the starting line. If you lose, you die out here. How have things changed in the 20 years since you wrote that story? Everyone's afraid. Everybody coming north's afraid. Everybody trying to catch them's afraid. Everything's more violent.
when I rode with the Border Patrol over 20 years ago. They caught a Mexican, and they're in their truck, and they see him under a tree. They just beckoned to him with a hand and come over and get him back. And it was like a gentleman's agreement, like tag, okay, you caught me. Go back to Mexico and start over. And now? Now the guys are afraid of getting shot. There's shootings all along the border, violence. I lived in an isolated ranch house four miles from this fence. Never locked the door, be gone for weeks. When I was gone, I'd come back and find cans of food had been taken, find a glass had been used and left on the sink by somebody thirsty, find nothing in the house was ever touched. Now, the same house, if you leave it empty and go to town, it'll be ransacked. It's the same people coming north. They're just stressed, panicked. There's infinitely more of them. There are no more gentlemen's agreements. It's a war zone. Only nobody will admit it's a war, and nobody has the decency or honesty to even count the casualties. Nobody knows how many are dying out here because nobody wants to. I'm convinced in the Tucson sector this summer, 300 people will die. Maybe 100 will get counted. Maybe they'll find 100 bodies. You could go over here tonight, 75 feet from this road, and lie under a tree and die. And they won't find your bones till the end of the world. Because it's just too big. It's too, it's old. too big. Bodies don't move. You're obscured under a tree. There's not going to be a clue. You'll be cleaned out by rotten wildlife in a couple weeks, most. You become invisible. You never existed. Somebody in Mexico will wonder why they never heard from you again. You can't watch this and see it happening and think anything is going right in Mexico economically. Nobody'd go through this hell if they had a choice. Until people can find jobs in Mexico, they'll be coming north. And they're going to be coming north for decades. We're creating a second class of citizens that can work, but can't vote, can't complain because they'll be deported, can't organize because they're not members, legal members of our society. We've reinvented slavery. Yeah. We don't even have the decency the slave owners once had to at least say what they were doing. I think it's slavery. I think that's... Is that an exaggeration? No. Credit a class of citizens that can't rise. They can't ever become citizens. They just swirl around there laboring.
Where do they go to complain about the way they're treated? What office do they go to? They don't have papers. They're here illegally. They're employed. All the employers pretend they don't know. All the employers are liars. Let me put it this way. How do a million people a year find jobs with no legitimate identity? What is one to suppose? The country's full of people that can't tell uh, that someone's not a citizen? They're tolerated by employers because they can cheat them, pay them miserable wages and abuse them. If they complain, ship them home. Well, you know, it's, what's the solution to this problem? What's the problem? The problem is all these people coming across the border into the United States. The solution is to make them unemployable in the United States. Find every employer a thousand dollars an hour for employing a person without a work permit or citizenship. See how long it takes to stop illegal immigration. Why? Why isn't anybody proposing that? Because people with money want cheap labor to crush wages. A million people a year without documents drive down wages. The slaughterhouses of this country, for example, are full of Mexicans now from Mexico. That's why. It's that simple. You think that's possible? You think that could actually be done? No. I don't think it will ever be done. There will be no solution for illegal immigration into the United States until you fix the places it comes from. If Mexicans get anything remotely like a decent job in Mexico, they're not going to be crawling through wires and walking across hot deserts to get to Los Angeles or Chicago or North Carolina. But the United States has no Marshall Plan for Mexico, has no projects to pump money in and develop it. The United States spends, sends at least $30 billion a year into Mexico as payments for drugs. It doesn't send anything like that to build an industrial base or an economic base in Mexico. So our noses care more about Mexico than our corporations, period. You've seen the solution. The solution is pretend to deal with the question, don't deal with the question, and the people come north. That was writer Charles Bowden in 2005 near Sasabi, Arizona. The situation on the border now is different. Now there are more people coming from Central America, and instead of walking across the desert at night to avoid apprehension, now many cross the border in broad daylight and present themselves to the authorities in order to apply for asylum. For instance, the people coming north now in the caravans want to enter in this fashion. U.S. law says any foreigner on U.S. soil has the right to apply for asylum. So if they can get across the line, they can apply for asylum, and then they're taken into custody, given a court date, and released into America. Trump calls this catch and release, and he says it's not going to happen anymore. 
He sent 5,000 soldiers to help the Border Patrol implement his new policy, the new rules. I keep hearing Bowden's voice in my head saying, What are you waiting for? Why aren't you there already? I thought you said you're a radio producer. So I'm leaving pretty quick. Check out our website, homebrave.com, for a link to some of Bowden's books. And also, if you look, you'll see the subscription button is back up and running. When I took a break last spring, I turned it off because I didn't know how long it would be before I started up again, and I didn't want to lose the trust of my audience. One thing I've learned from producing this show is that trust is more important than money. I can go without money, at least for a little while, but if I lose the trust of my audience, that would be all she wrote. I'd be finished. So I turned off the subscriptions last spring, and now if you want to continue supporting this show, you'll have to sign up again. I apologize for this inconvenience, and thanks for listening.